May God the Holy Spirit open our eyes so that we can truly see what is beyond appearances. Amen. Don't judge a book by its cover. Looks can be deceiving. Things are not always as they seem. Those sayings illustrate the story of a young woman who lived in a small town. This young woman was very nice and kind to all her neighbors, and she was very smart, always going to the library, reading different books, and she had a dream to live live in a big city. And for some reasons that I don't need to retell here now, she ended up in a castle. It was a magnificent castle. But it was as scary and eerie as it was magnificent. And she felt at every moment that she was being watched, that she wasn't alone, even though she didn't see any other person in there. Later, she finds out that she was, in fact, being watched by the furniture and utensils and pieces of silverware. And they could talk to her. And they were not the only ones in the castle. There was also a monster. All the townsfolk wanted to kill that monster. But she could see the prince beyond the appearances. I'm pretty sure you know who I'm talking about right now. But after all, it's a, it's a tale as old as time. Right? It's, a, it's the beauty and the beast. But this theme of appearances versus reality is common in many stories where only a character can see reality and others, they are just blind to that. Sometimes movies or books, they play uh, in the other direction where only one character is blind to what is real. Think of the Truman Show, for instance, or 51st Dates, where one person can't really see what's going on. What does that have to do with Palm Sunday? (laughs) Well, those things came to my mind as I was reading the texts and, and preparing to share the Word of God with you this morning. Because that seems to be exactly what's going on when Jesus comes into Jerusalem. We have all the townsfolk. We have the appearances. Things, their perspective doesn't seem to reflect reality. They are welcoming Jesus as a king, and they are right about that. They are being very welcoming, but they don't really see what's going on and what he's about to do. You know, one of the things is the kind of work that he came to do. What ruling did they expect? What were their expectations? They expected someone to come with a sword, to rule them, to get rid of the Romans, to start God's kingdom on earth, to give them their land back. That's the kind of ruling they were expecting Jesus to start. Also about the timing, the when, not only what kind, but the when. They thought this is going to start now. He's going to do everything now. There is no more waiting. And here we are, 2,000 years later. There's no more waiting. And a third big thing about their perspective that was a little off was life. They were pretty sure that to do what he needed to do, Jesus needed to fight and live. They didn't have any room for a dying king, for a dying Messiah. That didn't even cross their minds. He needs to live. He needs to be alive. Reality is not always what it seems. 
You know, their perspective was not right. They couldn't see beyond the appearances. This great king is coming. We know what he's going to do, when he's going to do it, and he will be alive with us. It ends now. What does the main character say? What does Jesus say when he comes into Jerusalem? Nothing. Jesus speaks before the triumphal entry and he speaks after, but he doesn't say anything as he's coming in. He's quiet. He speaks in the Gospel of Luke that we didn't reach today, but all that he says is, if this crowd stops praising like this, the stones will cry out. But he didn't say anything else in terms of perspective. Wouldn't it be great if we could know what he was thinking, though? What's going on on Jesus' mind as he comes into Jerusalem and he sees all of that? And we can. We can know what, what was on his mind. That's where the Isaiah reading fills in for us. We read a few verses from Isaiah today. And you can think of this as part of the movie script. The Isaiah verses are those notes that the director or writers would share with the actor, even when the actor doesn't have a line. So Jesus, you don't need to say anything, but this is how we want you to portray this part of the narrative. And we have answers that are very different from the people's perspective. What kind of ruling? They were expecting someone, someone with the sword. And here's what we have in Isaiah. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. The reality is that he would rule with his word. With his word. He wouldn't immediately end suffering and everything. He would rule with a word and sustain the weary. There would still be weary people. Not that evil, injustice, and sin would go on forever, but this is not the time. And that takes care of the second thing, that they were wrong in their perspective. They thought this is it now. Now he starts and now he ends. That's not the case. Jesus begins his ruling when he comes into Jerusalem and dies, and, and later he comes back to life. But there's a not yet. There's a not yet. He rules, he saves, he restores, he forgives sins, and yet, we still experience those things in our lives, don't we? He starts his ruling, but there's more. The kingdom of Jesus is somewhat hidden right now. And the third thing that they got wrong, and this is the biggest one, was about life. They were thinking, this king needs to be alive. He will fight and he will live. And what we have in Isaiah is that Jesus is thinking these things, I gave my back to those who strike, and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting, but the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. What was in Jesus' mind? Death. His death. Appearances versus reality. They thought he needs to live to protect our lives. And Jesus is thinking, I need to die so that their lives can be spared. I need to die so that they can have life. And it's by dying that he begins ruling in the world. 
Now, brothers and sisters, this word of God for us this morning can be a tough sell, depending on where we are in our lives. A savior who dies, a king who makes us wait, and we are still waiting. Think of the people around the time of Isaiah. He prophesied to a people who would be in exile, and all they wanted, salvation for them, would be someone coming and taking them from where they were and bringing them back to their land. That was salvation. For the people on Palm Sunday, it looks differently. They were expecting someone to come and stay alive. He will come and stay and get rid of the others. Different expectations. What about us? We can also have different expectations. And sometimes what we expect from the Lord may not be aligned with the salvation that he offers. There's a few ways in which we can, be, we can have misaligned expectation. Sometimes we also want to tell him what to do, how to do, and when to do his things. Save me now, Jesus, and in this way. And when we suffer greatly, if he doesn't save us or respond us, we think there's something wrong with him. Don't you love me, God? Don't you have power? Did you lie to me? What kind of king will let me suffer this way? Sometimes we have no place for our theology of the cross, which is the message of Palm Sunday. We want to experience fully the abundant life that he promised right here, right now. No more waiting. Our expectations can also be misaligned when we expect too little from the Lord. You know, I live a comfortable life. Don't rush, Jesus. <laughs> Stay where we are. You know, I know I believe in you and I'm all set for eternity, but right now I, I got this. You can come later. Salvation is just spiritual after all, isn't it? I'm living here a down-to-earth, a daily life that you don't know anything about. Certainly my pastor doesn't know anything about. <laughs> isn't that what we think? Salvation is a spiritual thing. My life is a different thing. So you help me in my business, but, you know, in the afterlife we'll talk. We expect too little. We also expect too little when we can't see that Jesus ruling in the world starts right now through his church, through us, as he begins to undo injustice, to help the needy, and to forgive the sins of others. But sometimes we can't see that. We separate his ruling from this world. The point is, we all can have different expectations, and we do. But one thing that we learn on Palm Sunday very powerfully is that God has a plan. And Jesus' decision to come to Jerusalem and die, and remember that what he was thinking. In Isaiah, it says that he set his face like a flint. And that decision does not depend on our expectations. It doesn't. It doesn't depend on how welcoming the people were. It's not like Jesus was coming to Jerusalem and if they didn't have a parade, he would just turn right back around and say, I'll come back when they are ready. That's his decision. Wherever we are in our lives, he died for us. Whether we understand the depth of God's love or we have a very superficial comprehension of the gospel, he died for us. It's his decision. By my sins, I still strike his face. I spit on it. I pull out the beard, to use the language of Isaiah. 
even as I praise the Lord for his coming. By my sins, I want different things at different times. My understanding of the plot is very limited. I'm one of the townsfolk a lot of times. By my sins, I still want to tell him what to do and when to do and how to do his work. But the reality is, none of that changes what he did for us and that he died for us. Even our sins don't change that. The devil tries to use what we see, what we feel, what we experience to say, this is what is real. It's war. It's your sins. It's suffering. It's just waiting. This is reality. But there's something more real than that, which is the love of God in Christ Jesus who came for us despite what we see, despite what we feel, despite what we do. He loves us. He continues to forgive. He continues to come by his word. And he continues to rule even when we can't see it. Looks can be deceiving. And we can be very short-sighted people, spiritually speaking. But let's look beyond the appearances. Let's look beyond the beast of the sufferings and sin in this world so that we can see the real prince of life who died and became our king. Then we can join the crowd and say with understanding, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. Hi, Pastor Sai here. I hope this message was encouraging for you. At Riverbend Lutheran Church, our goal is to support Christians in their daily walk with God and in proclaiming the love of Christ to a lost and broken world. We're a small and inviting congregation welcoming any and all who are sinful, hurting, seeking, or simply broken. Whether you're already a Christian and are looking for a church home or you're undecided about your faith and looking for answers, you are welcome here. We have a number of programs for all ages and walks of life. Sunday mornings we have worship followed by educational programs for all ages. Please join us. For more information, you can visit us online at www.riverbendlutheran.com, call us at 780-430-7382, or email me at pastor at riverbendlutheran.com. Better yet, stop in for a visit. Until then, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace.